0: Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, Betty. That light is shining right there in front of my. Yeah. I'll move it again. Hallelujah. Good. All right, let's begin this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Let's go ahead and begin this morning. We have a different kind of service plan. It's Thanksgiving week. How many people are thankful? Raise your hand. How many people are thankful that you're still breathing? Let me see your hand. Hallelujah! Wow, what a great worship time! Thank you, Sarah, for that wonderful testimony. Yeah. All right. Today we're going to do uh, do service. We're going to participate. Uh, I have several that are going to do what Sarah did, and we're gonna. I'm going to kind of try to interview. Uh, those, we have a video that's planned. Sarah kind of didn't know, but I'm going to show a a video kind of on chisel, the chisel. And we're going to, we're going to go into that in a few minutes. But here, here's what is so amazing is I, I want us to realize that as we're in this series that is entitled, You Are an Original. As we fight through all the things that go on in our life and circumstances, when we, when we try to We know we shouldn't, but we compare ourselves to other people. And we come, you know, we could even become discouraged or jealous because somebody we think has more than we do or we should be certain place in our life or we shouldn't have done that or whatever. And we talked about last week the Mona Lisa and how this, well, this is a cheap replica. And I said that as I, I went to the, the Louvre just recently and I was so blessed to be there. It's not like I'm an international traveler. Kind of like Leeson Homer. But anyway, that's another story. But but I, I was there and, and boy, let me tell you, I was like a, a rock fan. I've never went to a rock concert, but it, I kind of seen those people that are like, I, I can't wait to see. And, and they opened the doors and we were in the room and this painting was at the end of the room and, and, and I waited my turn in line and, and I knew that, uh somewhere around I believe the number is twenty million had visited the Louvre the year before, and, and this is the highlight and, and to watch just how people had come from all over the world to see this original, this painting by a, a master painter and and how much it was worth, and really there was no worth to it. It was so valuable that they really stopped insuring it and put the money in protecting it. And we've been talking about that. And and, in the first week, we talked about the the jack-in-the-box. How many people are here for that? That'll be a sermon that hopefully you'll remember more than just the pastor brought a jack-in-the-box you know, to to church. But we talked about how the enemy would like to put us in a box with our hopes and dreams and, and try to talk lies into our life of being original. That we're nothing and our purpose isn't of value. And we, we've talked about that week of how, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we, we say no to the enemy. But in the long run, we begin to do that to God. We put Him in a box. We can get excited on Sunday morning and... And then pop out. And, and we see God and we're like, God, this is great. Church is wonderful. and But we leave church. And we put him back in the box and we say, God, you don't work in the real life. And we would never say that because we don't want to say that out loud, but we don't use the things that we know God has given us. And so this morning, I want to talk as we're in the week of Thanksgiving, and I know that every year we have different things that we have planned for family and and different things like tonight, we, we have chosen to do something a little different and come at about 4.45, 4.45, because we don't have previews, but we'll start a, a family movie at five o'clock in order to get through it enough time for the uh, food part of it. And we've got turkeys and hams. And, and it's not about the turkey and the ham, but boy, I'm sure glad the turkey and the ham are going to be here. But, but But just doing life together and helping each other when we go through what we're going to be talking about today, discouragement and disappointment. And as as you're an original, the title of my message is this: Appreciation brings value. The more something is appreciated, the more the value rises on that whatever that is. And and when you appreciate what God has done in your life, matter of fact, Ephesians two ten says that we are God's masterpieces. Oh, I'm not a masterpiece. As long as you begin to confess that out of your mouth, you'll believe what you're saying because the number one person that is hearing your mouth talk is you. Pastor, you are amazing. You never do that wrong. If I'm not careful, my mouth begins to speak just like anybody else's, the things that I shouldn't be talking about. So this morning as we're a family and just like tonight we'll get together and we'll have a great time and we'll eat turkey and ham and watch an encouraging movie of God's love. Let me just tell you this. As we're in this series, I I want you to understand that we go through times of disappointment. And it's what we do in those times of disappointment and discouragement will bring glory to God or it will do the opposite. Listen to this. If the Bible says that God is enthroned on our praises or on the praises of his people, who's enthroned on our criticism? If if we sing songs and we know that the scripture that says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. If we enter his gates with thanksgiving, whose gates do we enter with our complaining? Ouch! Yeah! See, disappointment robs a person of the courage that they could have in the future. Disappointment is a killer. Now, now listen to this. We are born for tomorrow. Yes, we're designed and yes, we have a purpose right now at this moment. But as a believer, we cast our hope and we cast hope into the future in people's life. That's why we have the good news. Again, I've said this so many times. Everything is based on our faith in God, that He is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do. But without hope, you cannot have faith and your joy begins to diminish. And that's where the strength of the believer comes from. I want to remind you, and I've said this many times, but Romans 8, verse 38, it talks about all these wonderful things of the believer. But it says this, that that a lot of times we forget, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither this present, nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to it again. Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, but as I've said, and I want you to get this so bad, there is no mention of the past. And the reason I believe is yesterday can keep you out of experiencing the love of God for yourself. It can keep you from the awareness of how much God loves you if the enemy can keep you looking back in your past of all the mistakes you've done and all the things you haven't gotten and all the things you should have and all the things your neighbor has, and it keeps you in a place of disappointment. And disappointment attacks our purpose and our identity and our future. Now, now watch this. When, when it comes against, disappointment comes against our purpose and our identity. It's there, but it's just not working. It's like a dislocated, and I think some time ago I used the example of being in football and dislocating my elbow. Somebody fell on my elbow in the pile, you know, it came out. I had to say that just to kind of get the effect. I, I felt your pity. It It was there. It was John Miller. The arm was John Miller. It was part of me. It hadn't been severed. But it didn't work. It just was there and it was an all four. But it just wasn't useful. Matter of fact, I couldn't even get it over my... They had to cut my shirt off. Do you understand what I'm saying? When disappointment comes into your life, it is an attack on your purpose and your identity. And if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll be all intact but it just you just will not be able to walk in your purpose in your identity of who God has made you to be now now this morning if you have your Bibles turn to Proverbs 13 verse 12 you know I've said disappointment is the child of depression We, we all know kind of uh, depression and how how that can come upon a person's life, and and it's the fear of the unknown, and it's the the regret of the past and the shame of the past. In, in Proverbs thirteen twelve, th- this is something that again I, I go back to, and I go back to, and I go back to. I, I'm I'm personally a a person that likes to 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 go further, and I, I like to strive for something new and. In this passage, it says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, again, sometimes you read something, you go, well, what was that again? Say that again. Okay, here it comes. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. But can, can I... Say it this way, disappointment can lead to spiritual disease. Again, I'm talking on the subject in today's message is appreciation brings value. Disappointment will attack and you'll never get to the place of being thankful for where you're at. We've all been there where circumstances in our life did not turn out like what we thought. What we expected. And and you know what disappointment is? Unfulfilled expectations. And you say, I'm so disappointed. Why are you disappointed? Because I thought it was going to be like this. And I had my hope on that. And I thought that I I know I didn't have it all figured out exactly what. But I thought that this was going to be the end conclusion to my my life or even where I'm at right now. Listen to me. How we navigate after that happens is what determines if we're going to get what God has promised us. If we get there at all. Have you ever seen a sailboat? Just for a little participation. Let me see your hand if you've ever seen a sailboat in your whole life. all right. Do you know what guides that sailboat? Do you know what propels that sailboat? The sailboat against the adverse winds. When the adverse winds blows against that little boat or that big boat or that yacht or whatever the sailboat is, they can raise those sails and they can maneuver those sails and that mast around so that they can use that adverse wind that's coming against them to propel them in the direction that they need to go. Can I say this? This is today's message. You are designed for what's on the other side of that adverse wind that is blowing in your life. Can I say that as if I was saying it to John Miller today? John, you are designed for what's on the other side of that adverse wind that's coming against you today. Adjusting our heart, Ourselves is adjusting our heart and trusting in God through the disappointing times in our lives. And here, here's I've said this before, and I want to keep saying it is if we're not careful, disappointment is what good Christian people use to not trust God. And we never say that we don't trust God, but when we are disappointed over a course of a a period of time and we allow that disappointment to take root in our life, we become bitter and we begin saying, you know, God God doesn't work in my life. And I don't know about what all happened here in that lady that was up here on the worship team's life, but it doesn't happen like that in my life. It's because bitterness and and that, that disappointment has set in. Can can I? This isn't good news, but it is a it's a consequence. It could be impossible to get to the abundant life that Jesus said that He had come to give us if we're not capable of navigating through those issues. God has given us the 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 people in in, uh, you know the theologians counting the promises of God through the Word of God. Say there's over 7,700 promises that God has promised his people. I'm his people. 7,700 promises. Now now think about this. If a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, part of our internal purpose is locked up in your fulfilled dreams and desires. Did, Did you hear that? If a longing fulfilled, everybody that longs for something, when they see it fulfilled, they go, Woo! Hallelujah! You crossed the goal, whatever it was. You saw that God was faithful. You saw it with your own eyes. You felt it in your heart. God, give me a place to testify and I'll stand up and say it. If a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, then a part of your eternal purpose is locked up in the fulfilled desires that God has placed in your life. God is is not there to give you false hope. He isn't going to tease you with something and put that in your heart and go, whoop, sorry. Got to be quicker than that. Yeah. He doesn't inspire us and challenge us with dreams and say, sorry. And I think that many believers, sons and daughters and, and and kings and queens in training have lost the capacity to dream and to realize that God has a purpose and a desire that He has placed in you to get past that disappointment, that discouragement of something that's happened in your life. It might have been something like a heart attack or an addiction. It could have been something of a... Of a, a Cultural thing that you were raised in a family that it wasn't even your fault, but you know, I'm so disappointed I can't do anything. And so many times when believers, sons and daughters, lose the capacity to dream because of disappointment, the people that are around them that are needing exactly what they were designed and purposed for. They lose that the the, the radius of friends, the people that are around them. And that that disappointment can turn into more of a selfishness. But here's what our God has done, the creator of the universe. Think about it this way. Promises are an invitation of God into having a relationship and going on a journey to see things displayed right here on the earth to reveal his nature as God. In other words, he comes to you and says, I want to partner with you. Me? Well, God, you're the creator of the universe. Why would you partner with me? Because I want to reveal my nature through your life. And when people see the things of answered prayer coming true in your life, They already know that's not you. There's no way that can be you without me being in your life. But again, if we're not careful, that disappointment begins to set in. Let let me... As I'm coming to a conclusion in this part of the service, I want to remind you of what we've said over and over here in this service that is so encouraging to John Miller. If there's 7,700 promises in the Word of God that are for us, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, 7,700, they are maybe, they are yes in Christ Now watch this. So through him, listen, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Again, we we talked on this, but sometimes when you hear it the second or third time, it revelation. How do I know that? Because I've had guest speakers come and preach my message and people will go, that's the best message I ever heard. What? My cousin to this day that pastors in Cleburne still reminds me that that lady said, "I was the best speaker she had ever heard now again I, i'm I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying when you hear it and you hear it and you hear all of a sudden that faith begins to rise, and you go, Wow when when god says as as the creator of the universe, I, I want to partner with you. What's in your heart? Is it to be a missionary to Cambodia? I want to partner with you." What What is it? is it? Is it to win your family? Your husband? Your wife to the Lord? I want to partner with you. And, and I put that in your heart. You understand that the enemy don't put those promises like that in your heart? But we still try to talk ourselves out of it. Did God really say that? We laughed about that today in, in being uh, generous. When God calls upon us to bless somebody, devil, get behind me. Come on now. The devil isn't encouraging you to give money to somebody. He's going the other way. Keep it, keep it, keep it. But those promises are there and when we partner with God and the word amen, as we know, means what? So be it. So all of a sudden, that that promise begins to get into motion. And we begin to work our faith. Hear me. We begin to work our faith. And you know what faith is, right? Faith is something you cannot see. You put your faith into something. You believe it. Even though you can't see it, taste it, touch it. Smell it. And you begin to walk by faith. You begin to walk by faith. You begin to be faithful in the morning when you can't see it. You wake up and say, God, you're in my life. And I know that promises are promises and it's for me. Amen. And I'm saying, Amen. I'm so blessed to have a friend here and I mean that, Joe Farquhar. That, you know, he's battled cancer and we just got a good report this week on his. His treatments. And how many people can say amen to the promises of God? Mm. This morning, I want to show this video. And then we're going to show. just We're going to have some real quick testimonies of what God has brought them through. Watch this video entitled, The Chisel. It's got Steve... Will you come, Steve Carlson? This morning, really quick, I'm going to have a few people come up and give a testimony. Steve has a powerful testimony of disappointment in life through addiction. And, Stephen, would you just, just a few minutes, just tell kind of your, quickly, your story.
1: Well, uh, we can start off, um, I guess I was uh, 17 years old in uh, the city of California. In Reseda, California, I was 17 years old working at a restaurant as a cook. I had quit high school. I was uh, 17 years old drinking with the cooks and the, and the manager and the waitresses. Uh, one day, the chief of police of Reseda, California came in. Many times, it's just, the scripture says, that With long life I will satisfy you show you my salvation. Uh, he was showing himself a Long time before I recognized him. Anyway. Chief <laughs> Police says, Steve, uh, we know you're drinking. You're only 16 years old, 17 years old. You've got you to change your ways, so otherwise you're going to have to do something about it. I would suggest that you join the service. So I took his advice. Uh, and, my life, uh, up to that time had been a lot of tragedy. Um, my father was a very wealthy man. We had, uh, I was the second youngest out of ten kids. We had a big home. My father, um, uh, died suddenly when I was eight years old. We lost, uh, our home. Mom started drinking. And we had kind to of moved around the country. We lived in Minnesota to now in California. Which I think mom used to but at any rate, a lot of be in my life. Uh, so, so I went home and uh, and told mom I was going to join the service. And uh, she was a little upset to get uh, my, my older brother was killed in World War II. Um, but at any rate, I joined the service there, of course, for four years. And uh, I, uh, of course, in the, in, the, in the service, when you get out of basic, you can build it up to the bar for 17 years old. So, of course, my drinking didn't stop. I continued drinking until I was 36 years old. Uh, I was on my second marriage. Uh, I had two, three DWIs. And now I had a drunken disorderly I was ready to go to court for. Um, and I was in a lot of fear, I figured that. And I was able to hold on to my job. I still worked on the railroad. I worked nights. I don't know how, and when I got the DWIs, I guess I just uh, paid the fine and stayed in jail a couple of days and was able to hold on to my job. But this time I figured this was a, this was good role time. When I go to the, this judge with uh, my record, he's going to have to sentence me to at least a year in, in jail and, and that would be the end of it. But, hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I was, I went to the court and instead of sentencing me to jail, uh, the judge sent me to a, uh, alcohol treatment center. And, uh, and the God, at that treatment center was run by a, an ex-alcoholic priest and his wife, uh, who had been a non-psychiatrist. And, uh, I went from, actually, before I even went in there, I went from fear and I went into really gratefulness because uh, I knew I wasn't going to lose my job. So when I went in there, I guess, uh, I think I went in there with the right attitude. I wasn't bitter. I was actually grateful because I was able to have my job. Hallelujah. At any rate, uh, these people, about the fourth week, uh, they call me aside. And, you know, back then, that was in the 1980s, and I think the charismatic movement was going on and then the Catholic priests, they don't normally lay hands on for you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but this uh, Catholic priest and his wife uh, called me inside and said uh, we think you're doing okay Steve but we know you're going through uh, a lot of things in your life uh, do you feel like maybe you're grieving maybe your, your dad just died, your mom just died well I guess so they said well their definition of, of chemical dependency was a sick love relationship of a person to a mood-altering chemical with the expectancy of a rewarding experience. He <laughs> says, Steve, you, you, you're grieving for your lost loved one those was booze. So we're going to help you get rid of that grieving and that shame in your life and we're going to pray that, that you go on and, and, and continue with in and, and sobriety. Praise God. So at any rate, then they, they prayed for me and then about two weeks after that I was... I was separated from my wife at that time, and I was looking for a room. And I I I saw this house there, They had a a room for rent. I pulled up in the driveway, and I saw scripture signs all over the trees in this guy's yard. (laughs) And uh, well, I went in there anyway. (laughs) And uh, then I was talking to the fellow's wife about renting a room. I'd be a good guy now. I don't smoke. I don't drink. All this stuff. And he came walking in from the living room. He had been sleeping on the couch there. He was a prison evangelist, and uh, he said, uh, you don't do this, you don't do that. He heard me talking, and uh, he said, I want to pray for you. Would you like me to pray for you? I said, sure, that's okay. And he he prayed, and he asked the Lord to give me a stone with a new name on it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I and then after that, uh, in, the, in the treatment center, this this, uh, one young boy had taken his, uh, his fifth step, uh, you admit to God, to yourself, to another human being, exact nature wrong, to take that step with a, a Christian pastor. The pastor gave him a gospel tract, and he asked me if I wanted to read that tract. And I said, yeah, I'll read that tract. So I went home, with, and I was all by myself, but I read that tract, and asked, he said, if you would believe, and confess that Jesus Christ, you believe in him and he is Lord, you will be saved. Well, I would never been at anything to do with God, but I said I'm gonna I'm gonna pray it. I don't know if you can hear. It. If God hurt me, then I'm here.
0: I'll- yeah. Great job, Steve. Great yeah. job. Steve has an an amazing testimony, a lot more than that. Uh, He's been put in a place where a lot of times friends will come and say, my dad's up in the hospital. Can you go pray with him? And uh, lead him to the Lord. Uh, Steve's part of Alcoholic Anonymous, but also puts in God into the place of a a sovereign that's above. You know, they don't want to name that God is who he is. Uh, So a powerful testimony. Steve did not go through the beginning of his life with the expectations of going through that disappointment and all those things in his life. But God has brought him through and now he's a testimony of just God's grace. Real quick, I would like to have one more group come up. These two men, Mike and Ken, would you come up real quick? Let's give them a hand. Now, if you know these guys, they're not public speakers, so we're going to go real quick for them. The only ones that probably would be more. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And afterwards, uh, Ken's wife, Sherry, is going to sing a solo. No, I'm just kidding. If you you know Sherry, she's very quiet. And uh, anyway, I don't know if Ken would say that. But anyway, another story, another story. Ken and uh, Mike are are good friends. And this has been an unusual year to say the least. Uh, both of these men have had a heart attack, and as we know, the promises of God, He sent His Word to heal our diseases, meaning Jesus. I believe uh, John one uh, one says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and Word was God." That's Jesus, and we believe that we are healed by Jesus' stripes that He bore on His back for us. Both of these uh, men, uh, I- I'm just going to briefly explain because of time and then i'm going to give them a chance just to say something briefly but uh mike um, didn't even really know that he was having a heart attack and uh, velvet and him uh were encouraged to go to the hospital about 30 some hours later i believe that they were telling mike that he was going to be rushed in for open heart surgery and uh through prayer it was minimized down to one stint that was in by time i got to the hospital he was uh Well, he was acting about like right now, like nothing was wrong and uh, being a blessing. And and Mike did not go into life thinking, you know what? I can't wait to have my heart attack, which is a disappointment in life. But God has blessed Mike in being part of a men's Bible study, being able to share that and the the healing power of our God has been amazing. Um, Mike, would you just share with us briefly how that that whole situation went together?
1: Yeah, um started out happened on a Saturday morning where so I had it I was actually going to my Bible study and mm-hmm. I got down there you know, it was well, and I wasn't doing well Okay, well, I'm gonna go home, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> I went home and slept and didn't do anything came along, I didn't do anything Sunday, I came to church. Right. And uh still not feeling well. Went home and my wife and got arrested. I didn't have having such so fun. Well, you need to go to the hospital. Well, me being a guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on top of that, uh, I was substituted for teaching, so I didn't have any health insurance. Right. So I was always worried about that cost. I can't but they bugged me into going, so I drove myself over there. And, uh, you know, I'm getting texts from my wife. She said, well, "So out of the middle? Uh, they're just running this past. i Yeah. Well, she comes over and goes, Oh, you're not leaving. you are in meeting you. Well, we either, really. <laughs> 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 so, you know, um, I was in the hospital, they came in, they did the exploratory, they went in, looked at it, they were just going to check and see what's going on, they could fix it, they will fix it, I'll, fix it. Uh, I'll get I'll come out and say, well, we're sending you to another hospital, so you need open heart surgery, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and that really scared me. Not in a place of my life where I was ready to have my chest just ripped open. So I was really scared. Uh, and he came back and he said, A few hours later, he said, No, we're going to go in without the surgeon. We're just going to do some stakes. Some sticks. I said, Okay, that's a lot better. Meanwhile, everybody was praying for And I'll tell you, I could not have gotten through this without the with prayer. Um, yeah. God was great. I was not ready to. The fear in me was I was not ready to leave my wife in this position, my daughter in this position, um, everybody I knew. I was not ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid that's what was going to happen. And through prayer and the grace of God, um, I'm able to stand up here and give this
0: testimony. Praise God. Thank you. <laughs> Ken was a little bit different situation. He went into the hospital and was, uh, Sherry and I were there as they were saying they were about ready to push him, or not push him, but put him into surgery. And then the word came back that he was not going to be able to be operated on because while they were in the process, really realized that he only had five to 8% of his heart actually functioning. So he was not going to be able to make the surgery. Uh, Ken kind of take us from there. Well, like a question. Uh, my, uh, no, I can remember
1: it. I was scared to death of mm-hmm. going in for surgery. I didn't want surgery. But when they took me in, I was down there on the table and got me prepared for surgery. And I was just asking God right then and and God give me peace about this. It's the only thing I could do with that for peace. Because I had nothing else. I had very little had very little faith at the time. But I was mm-hmm. dead but God gave me the peace. Because I remembered that when I asked my wife and me, I asked him to give me peace about it. Yeah. No. And he gave <laughs> me a sense of peace. So I figured, if he look at that and look at this. soul, I went ahead and asked him. And when I woke back up, they had me off the table. They never operated on me. And they took them back in the room a couple of days later they took them back in for another operation. Same thing again, they didn't operate on me. I couldn't. The doctor said I was, my heart was so weak that they had cut me open at a on the table. That told me that God was with me right there. I mean, it was just, uh, mm-hmm. I had no control of anything in this situation. It's over I could not faith in him. And I could say that when you came in anyway, he saw me there. I was feeling well, I felt like I was, I was too weak. <coughs> but I was well, on the inside I was fighting. Because I didn't like being weak. <laughs> and I but God has strengthened me through all this. So I Finally had no surgery it's five bypasses on me.
0: Yeah, Not four. I had to be uh, told there's more than four valves, So that he had all five operated on.
1: And no stance in my heart
0: for any here. I have one down
1: here on my left knee. But other than that, it's just charging right. me. Wow. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Thank you gentlemen. <clears throat> you can sit down. Both of these gentlemen then look forward to heart surgery or even having a heart attack. But as this message is, is appreciation brings value. And on the other side of the, the adverse winds that we go through and all the circumstances that we can't control in our life, we can either become disappointed and therefore a lot of times be robbed of our identity and our purpose, becoming to the point of being unaware of God's love in our life. or Again, through these testimonies, I want you to see that being thankful of just saying, God, thank you for what you brought me through. I would have never chosen that. I would have never picked that. But God, sometimes, God, I realize that as I go through these times, I will not allow disappointment to get a hold of me. So right now in your life, as we come to the end of this sermon, and, and I had a few others planned just just be encouraged to know that there's several other, I mean, a lot of people in this church that have done exactly what you've heard these guys is is they've come upon things that they could not control, things that they did not foresee, but they went through them. And even though the disappointment might have got them for a day or two, they said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let that get the best of me. And through a thankful heart, now looking back saying, God, you're faithful. As we enter into the week of Thanksgiving, And we begin to have family around us and we begin to allow the things in our life to begin to eat on us. You know what I'm saying? Our schedules, our work, maybe even family that comes in from out, whatever it might be. Say, God, I will not allow the enemy to say that I'm a cheap replica, but I'm an original. Designed with a purpose. And God, I'm your masterpiece. Would you pray with me today? Father, only You. Only You, God. God, when there seems to be impossibilities and people give us bad reports, we go to the phrase, but God. But God can do anything. And through our disappointments, God, You come to us. God, You take us by the hand and You lead us through Father, we will fear no evil even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death. God, we know You're with us. God, You created us with a purpose. Help us never to lose God's sight of that. And Father, when we go through those that we hold on to Your promises and we say, Amen! Even though we don't see it, taste it, even though we cannot even fathom how it's going to come out. God, we hold on and say, Amen! To Your promises in our life. And today I pray for my brothers and sisters that are going through disappointment. God, that they're here today and they don't know when the disappointment will end, when the clouds will lift, the storm will die down. But God, I speak peace into their life today. As an authority, as the authority of the believer that you have given us, that Father, that we measure our. Difficulties, our enemies, our storms, not by ourselves, but how big our God is. And there's nothing that you can't do and work through our lives. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.